Hello, everyone. This is Lynn Stacy with the Victoriously Anointed Podcast. I am so glad that you are uh, with me on today. Today, I have Miss Kimberly, um, and she's going to be sharing a little bit of her testimony. Um, I met Miss Kimberly. Um, it's so interesting how we met. Um, I met her. Um, um, she's uh, was driving Lyft. She's a driver for Lyft, and I met her there. And at the same time, when um, I was needing a ride, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to download this Lyft app. She said that she was uh, felt like she needed to turn on her Lyft um, um, app, and yeah. we kind of uh, met from there. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that is that's so true. Normally, I just go straight to Little Rock to drive, uh, you know, do my Lyft. But something just instinctively told me to turn on my app. You know, you know, maybe somebody out there needs a ride. And as soon as I did, you know, I got a ping from Stacy. I'm like, what? And, um, you know, went by there, picked her up, and she just had a few short runs to go to. But um, um, I told her that I'm in Little Rock all the time, and you were saying that, oh, my God, I'm in Little Rock a lot, too. So, you know, maybe we could kind of network. And I told her, hey, here's my number. She needs to ride. Call me up. But um, I threw that um well, actually, before you, before you, because um, I wanted to, I wanted to make, um, let me know why this is um, so, um, so um, interesting to me because um, I had just finished, um, I have been looking for a ride and like it has been hard just getting a taxi in this area, getting an Uber. And I was like, you know what, let me just, and I, and I tried Lyft before in the past and I didn't get a, a ride like I was wanting to. And so that day I just kind of sat down and I was like, you know what, Lord, it's really hard for me to be able to just um, get to where I need to be. And so I just, I just think that that was just um, such a blessed moment because yes. at first I didn't even have it on there. And I'm just, yeah. um, we're doing like, we did a series on prayer. And so, um, just how God would respond and answer prayer. And if you're, and if the person on the other end that's supposed to be an answer to their prayer is responsive to them, then it just, it's amazing how things work out. Yeah. So, so kind of like a synchronicity to things. I mean, um, I've had that happen to me quite a few times in my life. Uh, first time I was very young, 17, my husband, yeah, I got married really young, but he was away in the military and in war they were having Saudi. And I was just having a little, time and where I just wanted to do something different with my time and housekeeping. I like decorating. And something just led me to this particular neighborhood. And I was like, which house would I like to clean? And I got up and I got out of the car and knocked on the door. And when the lady opened up the door, she said, uh, uh-uh, I asked her, I'd introduce myself. And I said, do you or do you know anyone that's in need of housekeeping? Well, when she opened up the door, she had a Yellow Pages in her hand. And to my surprise, she literally grabbed me by the wrist and pulled me in the house and showed me that she was just looking up housekeeper service. Awesome. And I, I <laughs> rang the doorbell and I was there, so she hired me on the spot, you know. And I <laughs> rung the doorbell at the just the right time. Yeah. <laughs> So That's yeah, awesome. things work like that, and and that was an opportunity to probably be around her because I learned so many different foods from her that I probably never would have been introduced to if I'd have just been around my culture. So you know, that opened up a whole new avenue for me. So 
meeting Stacy uh, that day, the reverse synchronicity uh, happened, divine order, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Her downloading the app at the time I turned it on, being the first. Probably yeah. was I the first. You were the first Lyft driver I was able to get in contact with. There you yes. go. So we were on the same path, I guess, for a greater cause. So. Yeah, for I, I believe that for a greater cause. Yeah. Um, and then as she was, um, as she was um, driving me, she began to tell me a little bit of her testimony. Um, firstly, it was just to go to Walgreens in local city, but she was telling me she's one of Little Rock. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Um, before you go, let me get myself together. and We're going to go to Little Rock together. Yeah. And on that drive, she was able to share with me um, pieces of her testimony, um, how she grew up in foster care about her um, adoption process and different things like that. And I believe that it's um, so inspirational, the positive attitude that she has taken up towards it. And I just want her to share a little bit of her testimony about it. Oh, wow. Well, that is, uh, and thank you again for the platform that you're giving us, me and the community to, you know, just tell them a little bit about ourselves and backgrounds. Well, um, things, uh, you know, I basically grew up in foster care, whatever, you know, like happened, I grew up in the foster care and um, uh, those experiences have shaped me who I am today. And, um, you know, um, God makes no mistake, even though there were many times that I thought, why, who am I? Why am I going through this? You know, everyone has a cross to bear and everyone goes through things. But the thing is that, you know, I learned once is, is how do you re- react to it? Life is going to happen. Um, 20% I was quoted once, 20% of life happens, 80% is how you react to it. So it took me a lot of years to really understand that. I mean, all those times of asking why, um, God, um, you know, was divinely ordered my steps, you know, but I, I believe that most, I believe in most cases, uh, uh, nature and, and those ancestors and God's spirits, all of those were leading me. And, you know, I already had my mind formed and shaped to be able to withstand or bear those extra, you know, things that didn't seem so right or, you know. Um, but anyway, um, when I got adopted, I, me, as a little three-year-old in the foster care, I wanted to be adopted by young, young rich parents. And although the social worker found the opposite, and so I thought, but on the material level, all I had learned and as a three-year-old that it was it was about material. I didn't. I, God had to shape me to let me know that there was more than. Well, while they were filling my the, the texture of my hair and verbally saying in front of me. Or her hair is too unmanageable. Could you show us another child who has an oh, easier, no. greater hair? Not that. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, and they were different, you know, different race, you know, because when the children would go out there to meet prospective parents, they were all different races. So you felt kind of like you're in a, you know, a fair show or something, Uh and, and I just, it makes you feel more like an object than a human. Exactly. But me, instinctively, 
I would dance. I was I just loved to dance. So awesome. I would put on some kind of performance of dancing, and I would get like uh, the, the social lady would like, you know, disagree with my actions. I couldn't just sit there and wait to be chose. I still had to be myself. But um, while they were judging me as a child, three-year-old, I was judging them as well. And I don't know if it was like past lives before me, but what made me look at their shoes, if their shoes were a little worn, I felt like they didn't, they didn't have my money. So I didn't want to be go with them no way. <laughs> you were looking for the ones who had the nice shoes the on. Nice shoes, yeah. So they were looking... Some of the parents obviously was looking for lighter skin because I was a really chocolatey baby. I was I played in the sun, the seventies, uh, really um, uh, dark in my melon. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, but uh, but you have a lovely skin tone. That, so. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. But it it just made me realize. The social worker or divine God made no mistakes. I happened to get adopted by some parents that was born in the 30s. I was born in 1933, which was my mother. And my adopted father, he was born in 1938. I knew on the four, as a four-year-old that that was a lot of age gap. And I just instinctively thought, hey, that's not going to work. But technically it did because... They were subtle enough to be able to provide a child with both parents at the house. You know, my mother grew up in the old school where the women didn't work, but the men worked, which I later found out that it's also good to, for the woman to be active in the community or something as well, which she, she was very active in the church. But, um, but you really want to know the real reason why you're adopting a child is to feel alone, something lonely, something, you know, for the community to say, look what I can, I've achieved, I can adopt a child. Um, some people may be, may not be emotionally ready for a child and all that it brings. And sometimes a child is not emotionally ready for the type of parents they get. But, um, like I said, God prepares us for our destiny we go through. So luckily, I feel I had a personality. I thought everything was funny. I mean, being a child, I just, I would just, I had a permanent smile on my face. I was just, everything was just to the point that people thought I was just weird. What are you smiling for, you know? What the hell was the was so funny? But I had to understand that they had a suppression of, you know, a lot of, People that may have been born in the, what, the 20s or the 30s or the 40s, they, their mindset was silent. Be quiet. Sit down. Don't speak, speak until spoken to. It. So, you know, they raised their children up in that type of pain or suppression or oppression or whatever, which leads to depression if you're not able to express yourself. So, like I said, the gift that God gave me was the gift to, to laugh, and, which some things I found was pretty funny, but it would get me in trouble later. Like I was watching a Walter Conkright, and for those who are at least 45 years old, know who Walter 
Tough part is it was yeah, a, I definitely it was don't a, know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Howard Cosell, you know, as it goes. But anyway, um, I was watching this documentary and they were talking about you are the food that you eat. Oh. So, you know, I I was when I got adopted, my mom took me to it was the African Methodist Episcopal Church in El Dorado. So most of these people in this church were born now keep in mind, she's 33. Her mother was born in 1903. So most of the people in the church were born anywhere from 1880 to, you know, until, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. And they were kind of old-fashioned. So you really didn't have any, like, when you're aged, did you no, kind of relate to No, not really. No more than their grandkids, you know. But anyway... So Walter Cronkite was talking about if a person eats a ham hocks, let's just say they eat pig's feet. Well, me as a child was interpreted, well, their feet's going to swell and look like a pig. So <laughs> I was putting all this in, so I said, well, I can't wait to go to church Sunday because I'm going to do an interview on those church people to see what they're eating. So I would go up to one guy, and he had a big stomach. Uh-huh. And I was like, are you eating a lot of bacon? You know, <laughs> or if somebody might have had a big nose, and I'm thinking you're eating, you're eating pig nose. Well, so, anyway, well, it's it's interesting how like as a child you interpret things, yeah. and then as you get older, you begin to like kind of uh, begin to understand a yeah. little bit more. And it's like, wow, I can't believe I actually thought like that. <laughs> yeah, I thought like that. Yeah, you just have the imagination. You yeah, know? It's like the child of a mind is so creative. Because if you are what you're eating. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, well, just like a turkey video, I seen somebody doing that. Uh, give me a, uh, a Lizzo. That's this trending song that's, you know, she, I don't know the exact lyrics to I'm it. Just, but you're going to have to me out because I'm, I'm, I'm listening said, for you to tell She me. needs somebody to pump her up, you know. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, I ran across a video that had the turkey dancing, like twerking. And they, they titled it twerk, uh, Turkey. Like a turkey uh-huh. twerking, man, that made me have an image, the turkey butt. Of a, of a person? Of or? a person. The way the turkey was twerking. And I was like, well, I need to lay out the turkey. <laughs> me like, I don't want to ever eat turkey again. Yeah, that's hell. It's like, who made that? Since you're um, kind of um, talking about food and different things like that, um, I know that you have an interesting journey when it comes to like food, the different things that you used to eat as a child and how yeah. it has kind of like, um, uh, how you going through like um, when you found out like different things that were happening in your body and how you kind of um, went on to um, your food journey. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the food, um, it was good. I love food. That's all I have to say. I mean, I Remember, even when I was in the foster care, they didn't really have a, a set, I guess, a, a, a set regimen on what they fed you. Most of the people were senior citizens, so whatever's in the refrigerator, that's what you had to eat. So I got accustomed to that. But when I got adopted, I had more varieties of food choices. So, so, but some of them, my dad was into honey. So he would go out and hunt wildlife, deer, rabbit, squirrel, coon, armadillo. Armadillo. So, so basically it was roadkill. So once I found an association with the food, I thought the coon 
was a dog, you know, or the rabbit was in the uh, cat family, or the squirrel was in the rat family. Anyway, I really couldn't be choice to either ate it or didn't eat it. But it instilled in me when I got older to be able to have more choices. So I became obsessed with cookbooks. I, I became obsessed with saying, well, I got grown. Um, I was going to get a gourmet kitchen or perhaps be a chef of somebody famous or, you know, just have a better choice to go in the store and just get anything in here I want to get and prepare. So I was more on the gourmet tip with salmon and different ways to prepare a sauce. So sure enough, when I got grown and had a couple exposures from being so walking distance to a whole food back in 1992 um, kind of propelled me a little bit to be more conscious about food than what was at the local pickle weakness or local uh, sack and save. And I know you also talked too about, um, briefly before this interview, you talked too about, you know, how you um, began to start having like different aches and pains in your body. Yes. And um, you went to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about 20, 29 years old at the time, and and during that time I had a lot of stress. Only my 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 parents that raised me, they were mid sixties, um, and I I was twenty something. I had the slightest idea of what what they were going through. So it kind of when I lost my mom, it created a lot of stress build up in my in my body. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor had said that, well, you have diverticulitis, an inflamed colon, and an ulcer. And at that particular time, only thing that registered to me when he told me that is I said, those are senior citizen diseases. I don't have that. <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking 29 years old. I mean, oh, that's something that my, I saw my grandma, my big mama, that was born in 1903 had. So um, after I left, it, it didn't register till really the next day. I'm glad I didn't absorb the doctor's uh, diagnosis uh, because I was so preoccupied with picking up my children from school. And it was after five o'clock, I was thinking the police is gonna be at the school, where's the mama, you know, whatever. But anyway, I went to the grocery store the next day, and I promise you, I bought about a hundred dollars or so worth of uh, vegetables, nothing but vegetables, and I was guided and just led to to, to eat for eat uh, eat the vegetables for about a year. I actually went on like a vegan. Well, I wouldn't say a straight vegan, but um, I might have had a hamburger once or twice a year. And probably drank a soda, soda pop of uh, soda once that year. But all in all, I lost like a, from 180 to my, I guess would be safe to say my ideal weight was like between 140 and 150. Um, any issues that I had with the diverticulitis was gone because um, I mostly was just led to drink like goat milk or carrot juice to to kind of uh, rebuild the, the, the stomach um, lining back uh, from all the stress. And I, and, and I also learned that 
if let's just say, for instance, if you sit down and eat a dinner and maybe somebody come and say something or you get on the phone and you have something disturbing and, and it puts you into a fight or flight syndrome to where maybe you happen to tell somebody off or maybe you're feeling some kind of way. Well, that kind of stops your food processing. Your food just sits there while you're raising, saying to somebody or sitting there feeling real bad. Yeah, I would definitely agree. Stress does have a um, a bad effect on your body. And I, I don't think um, a whole lot of people maybe recognize like how, how much of an effect stress mm-hmm. can have on you. Mm-hmm. And um, you were talking about goat milk and carrot juice. Um, building the lining of your stomach, like different things like that. I think that's so um, so interesting, just like the different things that we put in our body and how they like really um, kind of help to build us. I'm like, go build up. Yeah, I know that's, that's pretty nasty. Yeah, it I was really like, is. it just doesn't seem like it something really that would be. Isn't. I mean, it, it, it was, but when you're really trying to get yourself better and you know that you're being led by a spirit greater than than that than the lower self that got you into that place in the first place. So, you know, you know, just just drunk it over time. It, 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 I could feel the effect of that. And then I think it was what the, um, the inflamed colon was not, oh, I was eating steak, ribeyes. Anytime I wanted steak, I'd go get a steak. And I wasn't getting, eating enough foliage, roughage, rather. Like, you know, that's, that's fiber. If you're eating beef, um, you, you have to have something to kind of get it out of your system as, you know, as quick as possible. But I, I learned that eating like a leaner piece of steak, like a filet mignon or a, a sirloin, um, with, with less, eating less of the animal fat, uh, the better off. So you you don't necessarily um, even though you know that some foods like they have affected your um, you in the past um, you don't you haven't necessarily just cut out those foods you've learned a way to kind of incorporate them into your diet and different things like that so what is what is your um, like what is like maybe one of your favorite things to like fix that's like health wise that you can maybe like share with somebody and be oh, like okay. <laughs> um, well I also I learned like greens I I, I love greens. I can eat greens all week, uh, but uh, I wanted to be able to cook the greens without putting the ham hock in there since I still have that visual picture of you are what you eat. What's your favorite greens before you go? Like, what's your favorite kind? I like them all, but I, if I want, if I haven't had greens in a long time, I like to reach back and get some collard greens. All right now. <laughs> uh, but if, if I want a little subtle, uh, you know, something that you really can taste the bite in them. I like mustards and turnips together, put a little kale in there. But the way that I have learned, um, there sometimes I put like some smoked turkey or, uh, I, like I said, I really just, it really grosses me out to have to put a hammock in there because of the hair. It's, it's just not a good look to me to know there's some pig's ankles in here. <laughs> so, you know, so... When you put it like that, yeah. it's kind of like... <laughs> <laughs> when you put it like that, it's kind of gross yeah. to think about. <laughs> so what I've learned to do to get a similar taste, I wouldn't even say similar, but to where you, you your imagination will make you think that it has been seasoned 
with uh, uh, pig ankles, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> smoked pig ankles, you know, so, but uh, I put vegetable uh, broth in it uh-huh. and two bell peppers. Now, I don't know if the bell pepper is, well, I know for certain that the bell pepper is giving it a, a, a taste of a hint of mm-hmm. a, a little pepper. It's, it wakes up the greens because uh-huh. sometimes the greens can be a little bitter. And if I put sugar in there, I, I personally like to put a little brown sugar in there instead of white sugar. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, same way I do put brown sugar in my coffee. I put white sugar, brown sugar, but I haven't tried brown sugar in my yeah. coffee. I might have to try you that. Never, you would always <laughs> use brown sugar, <laughs> but anyway, it just it, it's all the hints and tastes and flavor it makes it more flavorful. But once I put those veg, that vegetable broth in there, and, and uh, I, I put a pinch of a habanero pepper for those who like a little kick to it. Mm-hmm. You know, they want a little oh, this, yeah, waking up my sinuses. I do that too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So you use different things also, um, not just because you enjoy them, but sometimes you use things to um, actually help with the health benefits by using like the um, natural, um, well, I'm gonna, well, there are natural foods that you grow. So do you, do you grow food? Have you ever grown food before? Right? Oh yeah. My, coming from where I come from, my adopted parents, especially my mother, she helped me to, uh, oh, she, I, I was using a tiller at, at seven and eight years old, you know, I'm thinking I was back there just doing it. She was showing me how to use a tiller where I roll up my, to plant my tomatoes and bell pepper. And one thing that I, I really loved that she'd done one time, she had bought me some marigolds. And uh, she was really smarter than I really gave her credit for. But we went to the flower shop and she bought, she said, hey, you want to plant a garden? I was like, yes, I was all excited. So she got some marigolds. She said, well, whoever marigolds grow faster or quicker, they're the one that has the green thumb. So I was like, cool. <laughs> so she got marigolds on one row. I got marigolds on one row. But what she did was she let me plant the jumbo marigolds <laughs> to where they grew so tall. And she had the regular jumbo, uh, the regular marigolds. That they was just like, you know, just mediocre. Uh, they only grow so far. But mine grew over hers, just so tall, and I was so proud of that. And oh, I did not know that until later, you know, when I got grown, she told me. I said, Mom, you remember that time my marigolds got so tall and mine outgrew yours? And I was, I had the green thumb. I was going around telling everybody I had the green <laughs> thumb. And, yeah. and um, well, actually, I have a thumb that has a, a little face on it. <laughs> that's my birthmark, so you know. So yeah. I was like, "You're a green thumb." I talk to her a lot, but oh, people, that's what they say. Well, yeah, she's weird, but <laughs> that's, you know. So, but anyway, and she said, "Yeah, that's because I had bought the jumbo marigolds, and I and I looked at it for about five minutes, you know. <laughs> I mean, but I really couldn't do anything. But like, she encouraged me, uh, you know, to to do a garden and feel proud that mine grew, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's amazing the things that parents do for us and we don't even recognize that they do them mm-hmm. just to build our, um, our self-esteem. Yeah, different yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
since you um, brought up your adoptive mom again, um, what was your has your journey been like? Because you found your birth mom. Yes. Um, so what what has that journey looked like for you? Can you oh, tell me a bit about that. Well, that's been a that's been a I, I would say it's kind of odd finding your birth family on Halloween of two thousand. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and uh, I know maybe it's to mirror the personality that I have, where it's like, uh, you know, finding laughter or, or some funny twist behind it. Uh, God has a personality. I believe God has a personality too. Yeah, because, because of all the years, you know, I used to ask, well, "Where did I come from?" And, where did I get my nose from? Where did I get my personality from? And I believe that sometimes you have to know where you come from in order to know where you're going. So, um, so you know, it'll help minimize your fumbling through the dark because we all fumble through the forest quite a bit before we really understand what this thing uh, life is called and is truly about. Awesome. Well, you guys, today I have uh, we have been doing an interview uh, with Miss Kimberly. Miss Kimberly, remind me of what your last name is again. Thomas. Thomas. Miss Kimberly Thomas. Um, and I, um, we're gonna go ahead and um, end this podcast with a prayer. But I pray that um, something that she has said on today has inspired you and blessed you. Uh, we are so appreciative that she could come in today. So thank you, Miss Kimberly. Is there anything else that you want our listeners to know before we end this podcast with a prayer? Well. Um, well, thank you. I've, I've enjoyed this. I just want everybody to know that um, even though you can't figure things out, some things always have a way of working themselves out. So if you've gotten this far and you're still standing, that means you have a spirit of resilience. So, Come on. And mm-hmm. always look in the mirror and, and give yourself a, a high five that you're still here and you're making a difference. All right, that's a Miss Kimberly is um, working on a book, and I'm pretty sure um, eventually is going to um, come out soon. I'm working on um, her life story, and I believe that it's, it's one that um, will encourage and inspire. Um, so I would say, um, um, go forward and be blessed, Miss Kimberly. Um, we're going to end this podcast with a prayer. Um, dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for everything that you're doing, everything that you're working out, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for just um, blessing Miss Kimberly's life, Lord God, and blessing her on her journey, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your uh, mercy and your grace, and we thank you for um, blessing the podcast listeners that are um, listening in and tuning in to this interview. Thank you for your many wonderful blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, before we close out this podcast, let them know what they can be looking forward to in your book. Oh, well, it's just an, it's, uh, basically a journey um, um, told in the eyes of um, children. Basically, uh, uh, let me get it right. It's just all the things through the eyes of a child that a child see that uh, maybe no one's there to interpret it. But um, the next time if someone's there to maybe disrespect a child or make that child feel less than that child is a part of the future um so never disregard any child every child is our future awesome that's that's right every child is the future so i um i pray that you guys will be looking for that miss kimberly thomas thank you so much and as she go forward i encourage all of you to go forward
You have just tuned in to the Victoriously Anointed Podcast with Lynn Stacy. You can go on various podcast platforms such as Spotify, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, and listen in. You can also go on Facebook or Instagram and follow at Lynn Stacy Studios. If today's podcast has been a blessing to you, please share and remember to go forward and be blessed.